Have you ever felt frustrated because you just couldn't find a lovely book to read? I can start to crave not just a good book, but a book that draws me in and evokes such a deep emotion that I can say, wow, that was a lovely book. Welcome friends, this is Emmy B on Lovely Books Podcast, where it's my job to highlight the lovely books that keep you reading and connect you to the world. If you're new to Lovely Books, this podcast is more than just a best books podcast. It's about the reader's experience and takeaway. No book reviews, no analysis of literary content, just thoughts and personal anecdotes brought to our minds by the characters and subject matter that we love. That's what brings the book to life for you. I hope we give you something to think about, something to laugh about, and something lovely to read. Okay, so I'm excited to be with Principal Nell Walker, who is the principal at my kid's school. Um, I'm very happy that he agreed to do this interview with me. And his book that he's chosen is a timely book for what we're going through culturally right now in the United States and I think all around the world. But before we dive into his um, highlighted book today, he's going to tell us a little bit about himself. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Emily. This is new and fun for me. So um, I am not a native of Utah. I grew up outside of Utah. I was a Navy brat and uh, was born in San Diego, lived in Chicago area and back to San Diego. And then I completed high school in a little rural town in southern Utah. Um, I went to college at SUU to get my education degree and completed my master's and my administrative certificate at the U. I taught for... (laughs) Yeah, funny enough, I'm not a Ute fan. No! (laughs) <laughs> but now my daughter's going there next year, so I, I will be. And I always like the Red Rocks because my daughter's a gymnast. Okay. Um, and then uh, I, I taught for 16 years in Murray School District. I taught second grade and fourth grade. And then I've been an administrator in Canyons District for 11 years. Um, another interesting thing, I guess, um, right in, in high school, I joined the National Guard and then got my commission as an officer in college and cool. uh, retired about 10 years ago. Uh, I was a field artillery officer, and I was deployed to Afghanistan for a year during that time. So that, that kind of shapes a little bit of my worldview, and I've been married for 30 years. I've got awesome three kids and two grandkids. Cool. Super cool. Okay, so why don't you tell us about the book you've chosen and a little bit about your experience with it when you first read it and what it means to you. So um, I first read Bud Not Buddy about 20 years ago. I was a new fourth grade teacher, and just it's a Newbery book. So, you know, generally teachers read Newbery books. That's one of the things we do. And I fell in love with uh, Christopher Paul Curtis's writing right away. Um, Great storytelling, great humor, and the story is very poignant as well. And I love historical fiction, so this has a lot of historical accuracy to the Depression era. And I've read it, once I read it, I read it to each of the next 10 classes that I taught of fourth graders, and it's a great memory to revisit it. Um, The kids love that book. Since you recommended it, I'd never heard of it, and so I got online and read all about it. It's amazing reviews. The people who have read it have loved it, but I don't know many people who have read it. Yeah, it was popular for a while, but then yeah. it seems to have dropped off. But I wouldn't be surprised if it picks uh, back up. If it picks back up, especially yeah. because you're talking to me about it, so you'll right. get a lot of people want yeah. to hear it. <laughs> Doing some. What was your experience with sharing it with them? Okay, so all right. So when I picked it up, I reread it for this interview. It was uh-huh. you know, it was like 
reunion with an old friend. But but more than that, that what I didn't expect was, as I read through the different vignettes in there, I remembered how my students reacted to each of these, and it was fun. It made took me back to to those kids and their reactions to the story. Um, just thinking about them sitting around me on the floor was a lot of fun because I miss being a teacher now. When I read this book, you know, we weren't in the same kind of situation today as far as, you know, talking about race, but it's always been an issue, especially in our state where it's not a diverse place. So I love introducing this character of Bud to my students. And uh, one of the things that I liked doing with it was deliberately, I didn't let them see the cover and let them know that Bud is a black boy. Let's talk about mm-hmm. that this happened during the Depression, that it was in a time when a lot of people were out of work and it was a hard time in our country. And then through inference in the story, how the kids, it's revealed that he's black. He never says, I'm a young black kid. Right. But um, as he starts to describe the world around him, he identifies people that are like him, he doesn't add any descriptor to, but if it's a white person, he'll say, the white lady said this, and then eventually Mm -hmm. the kids start to figure out, okay, this is a little black boy. The style of Christopher Paul Curtis, the great thing is how he develops the character, and to me, books are about getting empathy for a character, and and usually the kind that a a lot of people like to read, books that are empathy for people that become your friends or your idols or your heroes. And in the, this book is that kind of book, but you know, other times the empathy is understanding the dark side of, of the world. But this one um, is special because his writing style gets kids empathetic with this new person that ultimately they recognize now is very different from them. Right. You know, and their experience is very different. So that's, I think, what, what makes this a great book for now, which I would teach differently than I did then. I would want right. to bring, highlight that kind of stuff more than I did in the past. I love the idea of my kids being able to be introduced to characters who aren't like them, but like you said, be able to find first find this common thread mm-hmm. of thinking this little, I think of Johnny, you know, who's 10 years uh-huh. old. And there's one part of this book that they refer to in a couple different reviews where they talk about um, the soda backwash. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think, oh, Johnny, oh, Johnny. And I just, I love that that him reading a book like this can give him empathy for a character who's different mm-hmm. than him. But there's still that boy sameness. Exactly. You know, I mean, the, which is cool. It's a lot of fun because the kids, again, as there's a lot, there's, for an adult, there's a heaviness to this story. Mm-hmm. But for the kids, the heaviness isn't the, the racial undertone in the country. It's not even the the depression, the heaviness is, you know, Bud goes through loss in his life. And so the, the story kicks off and, you know, up front introduces the fact that he's an orphan, that he's uh, lost his mother uh, when he was six years old. Um, and so then kids start thinking about what would that be like? And they start right. to develop that empathy. But then he draws them in with all this humor, you know, and there's little potty humor and things yeah. that, you know, there's Which a, little boys love. <laughs> exactly. I think I want to say really that the book is about resiliency. And I think that is becoming so much a big deal in education. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've been talking a lot about kindness here, but the next theme that we're going to leap onto in as, as a school is resiliency. And so that's one of the things I appreciate about this and it, uh, how you have to adapt. And, I mean, this is a perfect mm-hmm. time to learn about adapting with what we're going through with COVID-19. So yeah. there's many ways that, that this can apply. Um, but I But I think... The number one thing that's on that's really on my mind lately is issues of race and race relations and how 
how do we teach these kids in a way that's sensitive to uh, the feelings that we're going to have in our community, which are people right. across that are learning about things like white privilege for the first time, which mm-hmm. is really gritty. And it, it is. It causes a lot of cognitive dissonance with people. So then you're dealing with people that aren't really ready to accept that kind of stuff. So you're not going to go in school. I don't perceive this right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll learn and I'll be open-minded about it. But I don't see us you know, starting a class about white privilege. But right. I do see us using literature and other ways to help kids start to see that kind of stuff. So at a point when they're maybe a little mature enough to really get it, then somebody can say, yeah, well, that's just like what happened in Bud Not Buddy, or that's like what happened in this book that we read at school. So uh, we'll see how that all goes. Um, But I'd like to share just a little vignette out of the book. And so what happens in the book is, uh, you know, I'm not trying to do any spoilers here, but Bud starts out in an orphanage. He um, goes through some little trials and ends up leaving the orphanage and he's out on his own and he meets up with another friend who's on the lam from, from the orphanage and they go to uh, head out. As I mentioned earlier, they, they're talking about heading out west to pick fruit. So they know that they can hop a train at a place in their mind they're calling a Hooperville, which is really you know a kid's version of Hooverville, which were all these kind of cardboard uh, jungles where people mm-hmm. lived because of the Depression. So they're looking for the Hooperville that is near uh, Flint, Michigan, where this uh, takes place. And so that's kind of the setup for this. I'll just read a little bit of it and we can talk about it. Is that okay? Yeah, that's great. It says, I moved out from behind our tree and walked over toward the biggest fire. I waited until some folks noticed me, then said, excuse me, is this here Hooperville? One of the white men said, what is it you looking for? I said, a city called Hooperville, sir. They all laughed. The mouth organ man said, nah, son, what you're looking for is Hooverville, with a V, like in President Herbert Hoover. I said, oh, is this it, sir? The man said, this is one of them. They're all over the country. This here is the Flint version. And then what happens, uh, you know, Bud's getting to understand what's happening at this place and being introduced And he wants to know if he's in the right place. And so the response he gets back from this man is, well, son, any place where there are other folks in need of the same things that you are is the right place to be. This is exactly the Hooverville you're looking for. And then I never realized, you know, this this happens to be out of chapter eight. It doesn't really matter the chapter number, but but as I reread this last night, really, this is the crux of the book, the, the message about understanding our sameness and but recognizing our differences and so this little description you know is something now I would really want to talk to my fourth graders about and get to see what we get out of this so I want to just share this little piece as he looks at the 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 Hooverville he says the city was bigger than I thought it was the raggedy little huts were in every direction you looked and there were more people sitting around than I first thought too mostly it was men and big boys but there were a couple of women every now and then and a kid or two They were all all the colors you could think of, black, white, and brown, but the fire made everyone look like they were different shades of orange. There were dark orange folks sitting next to medium orange folks, sitting next to light orange folks. All these people, the mouth organ man said, are just like you. They're tired, hungry, and a little bit nervous about tomorrow. This here is the right place for y'all to be because we're all in the same boat, and you boys are nearer to home than you'll ever get. So... I love that. 
That is so beautiful. That really is great writing. Yeah. And I, so poignant and relevant it for is. right now. I love, you know, again, now I would, I'm always thinking of reasons I would like to be back in the classroom, but rereading mm -hmm. this and rereading that chapter and, and those paragraphs, those verses right there, I would love to talk about the meaning of what does he mean by we're all orange, different shades of orange. You know, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of rich conversations that could come out of that. And um, the beauty is until, you know, depending on what all of us adults say to kids, they're, they're wired to understand us all as just we're all orange, mm -hmm. you know. And it's what all of the adults around them do that changes that point of view, however quickly or slowly it, it takes to happen. So. I do want to ask you about the diversity of Butler Elementary. Yeah. What's, what's our ethnicity? So, you know, we're, we're looking at maybe 10% of our kids, uh, maybe 10 to 15% of our kids are uh, different Mixed ethnicities out, outside of being, you know, white kids here. And um, there, are, there are issues. I mean, there are, there are things that, that happen, and uh, a lot of them happen behind the scenes. And yeah. Uh, you have to be on the lookout for them. I mean, that's one of the things right now with this situation where, you know, a question I asked in principal's meeting we had this week, Monday, Tuesday, was uh, do we have a deliberate plan to start talking about these issues of race and how are we going to mm -hmm. include those into our lessons? So, uh, you know, I've got, I'm working with a parent right now that's, you know, pretty upset that the the kind of experience uh, her child has had here at Butler, um, you know, I, I can't, I can't for say say for sure that every issue that's happened is because of race, mm -hmm. but I do think it contributes. You right. know? And so, my my answer to her is, but I am about wanting to teach children to start to see the world in a different way. Well, and I I love that, and I love, um, and I hope that this parent gives you the opportunity to do that because my experience has been with my teaching that we had a little girl who was um, black, and she had a horrible experience, and the minute her mom found out about it, she yanked her out of school, which I have so much pain over, first of all, because I'm hurt that this little girl was hurt, but second of all, um, because I didn't get a chance to remedy it. I didn't get that moment to teach, um, which I feel like is so, it's so important. Um, I have found that I take for granted that people are talking to their kids about these things and they're not, you know, talking about it in school, I think is so essential to yeah. helping with that. You know, we're here in this beautiful area in the foothills of the Wasatch Mountains where everything is clean and nice mm -hmm. and and the problems that th the problems that our kids see are not really bad. You know what I mean? So I feel like they're very sheltered and unaware of their white privilege. I agree. And you know, again, when you, when you first learn about that term, you know, the typical white person is going to bristle because you think of it in terms as a deficit on yourself, but it's really mm -hmm. just taking advantage of what's been given you and ignoring the fact that it might not be the same for everybody right. and just living with that advantage. I like where our country is going. I like seeing these polls changing about people get it. In fact, this morning I was just reading about a huge jump in the number of people that believe that we have an issue with police brutality in our country mm -hmm. and training our police officers to be more sensitive to all these issues. and. 
a huge jump. So, I mean, it's significant enough that I think it can, we might actually start to see change now. But we have to start uh, with our kids, too. And like I said, it is not about being hardcore, although, I mean, I'm reading people that say, yeah, start hardcore in kindergarten and saying this. But I'm, I'm not a hammer person. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a person that's about loving, kind way to get a message across. Because right. a lot of people are going to listen anyway. And I have to, I have to, I have to respect what parents are thinking about this. And some parents are in that position of not getting privilege. And I'm, I'm not trying to make them bristle. I'm mm-hmm. trying to, you know, coax them to think about it in a different right. way. Right. Go ahead. Make recommendations that you love. You know, and I, kids. Emily, I know you said think of something a little bit different off the topic, but uh, one book that has really spoken to me recently is the book Wonder. And we use that to launch our school's kindness campaign for the last three it. years I've been working on. And and if you haven't read with that with your kids, I think that is definitely one to read. And it can be related to all kinds of experiences that kids have in school. But just uh, the world needs more kindness. That's one of the things that, you know, I hope that when I'm done at this school that kids will remember that Mr. Nell Walker talked about being kind often and that was important to him and that was important to being a bobcat is that that we're kind. So that's when real learning happens. When a kid knows that they're loved by their teacher, that's when all the different boundaries to learning get lifted up because they're free to risk, they're free to try, they're, they're not worried about anything, they're giving their best self every day because they want this person that they put in their quality world as mm-hmm. William Glasser says, you know, that's somebody that they want to impress because that person has gone out on a limb and showed them that, that they care about them. So Right, which I appreciate. Well, thank you again so much for sitting down with me today. Yeah, that was fun. That is fun. <laughs> it's so enjoyable to sit and talk books, and it's good people. If you like what you heard here today, please like, share, comment, subscribe, and rate this episode. I hope you'll listen in next Friday as we highlight another lovely book.